0: For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, or he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee. Everyone say bless. Bless. And multiplying I will multiply thee. Everyone say multiplying. That is what God does. He doesn't do addition. He does multiplication. Amen. Keep that in mind anytime you feel like something's not going right, because it might just be that while you're waiting, he's working to multiply you. Amen. Oh, that's good. I'm preaching already. Number 15, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Who did? Abraham. But he had to patiently endure. Everyone say patiently endure. How many are in the stage of patiently enduring right now? Anybody? In a, I think we are all somewhere in our life. We're patiently enduring right now. But when he patiently endured, what happened? He obtained the promise. It happened. It was settled. It's written. We are going to receive the promise if we patiently endure. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherefore, wherein? God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. We're heirs of those promises. The immutable, the immutability of his counsel. In other words, he's going to do it. He's immutable. He can't be changed. He can't be. There's no way that you can change the fact that his promises are going to come to pass. Confirmed it by an oath. He said, I promise you upon my name you shall receive this. That's powerful stuff. Hello, somebody. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, he might... He might have a, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Everyone say, Hope's in front of us. Front of us. Very good. Which hope we have as an anchor. Everyone say, anchor, anchor of the soul. That's a big four letter, big four letters right there, or four words right there. Anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into and within the veil. With whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He went in to give us hope so we can go in. Amen. amen. And today we're going in. We're going to occupy this city. Amen. amen. Jesus, help us today as we grow together in this service. And we ask you just to give us a strong touch of your spirit in a short amount of time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord there was a captain of the USS Wisconsin, and he was traveling into dock, and he was on a direct collision course with another boat in the middle of the night. And both were shining their lights into the darkness, and it was obvious they were on a collision course. And the captain came on and said, change your directory, called out to the other ship, and said, change your directory to these coordinates well, we will collide. And the other ship radioed back and said, we cannot change our coordinates. You will have to change your coordinates. How many know it's very difficult to change the coordinates of an aircraft carrier? (laughs) Very difficult. The bigger the boat, the harder the turn. Amen? Good thing we're big enough to turn quick and move today. I'm glad about that. So whenever he called out again, he said, no, no, you don't understand. This is Captain so-and-so from the USS Wisconsin aircraft carrier change your course or we will collide and the other called back and said this is the lighthouse change your course or you will be colliding sometimes you run into some immovable objects amen you ever had an immovable object in your life? You just prayed about it, you saw God about it, and every time you look, it still seems like it's right in your way, like you're just going to have a collision with it. But I want you to know that whenever we're dealing with things of life, that God has a way of securing us. Amen? He has a way of anchoring us down so that we can understand until we get to the moment of revelation where we see why something seems to be head in front of us like we 're on a collision course for it when we understand that God has a quick turn or God has a quick change and he 's going to make a difference for you. you are not going to run into distri- into damage you are not going to run into full out desolation you are not going to collide with some things that it looks like you 're going to collide with right now. You You shall pay your mortgage, amen? You shall be blessed, amen? I speak it in the promises of God that they are sure because he swore by his name. The Bible says we should not swear because we are men and women who cannot control the future, but a God who stands in the past and stands in the future as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He controls all situations, and because he controls it all, he can swear by himself and it not be a sin because God Almighty can say, if I say it will happen, it must happen because I'm a God who controls everything. And if you're on a collision course for something today, he's in control and he can make a change in an instant for you. What it looks like is not how it will turn out. Amen? I promise you that. And the way that I want to talk to you about this for just a minute is that when we're growing together as a church, we have to realize that we need three pillars and three pedestals for us to be built upon. The foundation is Jesus Christ, amen? The Bible says he is the chief cornerstone. He is the one that's put in place that all other things are built off of in order for them to be right and true. Amen. So whenever we look at the foundation that's laid, the Bible talks to us about leaving that foundation in the beginning of chapter six. We read these verses in Hebrews. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. How many know that means that you're not going away from it, that you're not casting it aside? What he's saying is, leaving the principles, let us go on unto perfection. How many know there's more than salvation? Amen. Amen. That we have to be saved. That's our foundation. But when you, ha- when you are saved and you are established, like you would pour the foundation of a building. You don't pour the foundation of a building and then go over here and build the building in the dirt. You pour the foundation, then you leave the foundation to build the building. But the building is built upon the foundation. So therefore, what he's saying here is that whenever we leave the doctrine of Christ, that we're not leaving it and discarding it or forsaking it. We're literally saying, I'm done here. I've established the doctrine of Christ in my life. Now I can build on that and I can look toward a lifestyle and I can look toward how it pleases God to live and I can look toward other things. But if you're doing that right now and you haven't established salvation and a foundation in your life, you're trying to put a roof on a house that's not there. Amen. So no wonder why people get confused because you show up with the roof and there's no foundation. I want to talk to you about why we have these shingles in place. I'm not interested in talking to you about how to lay shingles on the roof till we talk about how to get the concrete to cure in your life, how to get you established and founded. Amen? So that's what he's saying, laying again, the, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. You don't lay the foundation, go over here, build, that doesn't work, so lay another foundation. He's saying, laying the foundation again, the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So he's giving us the layout of what we must do. We need to repent, amen? How many are grateful for true repentance? There's rest in repentance, we heard last week, Amen. So when we find that there's faith toward God, we have to have faith. That is the foundation as well. And the doctrines of baptisms, plural. Notice it says baptisms, plural. It's referring to the water baptism and the spirit baptism. Plural, two different things the scripture talks about. So it says the doctrines of baptisms and laying on of hands. How many know we did that already today in the altar? Laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and the and eternal judgment. There's coming a day is appointed unto man once to die and then cometh the judgment. Amen, somebody. And this will we do if God permit. I love how the scripture, even writing in the scripture says, if God wills it, we'll do it. I love that. For if it is for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened to have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. How many are partakers of the Holy Ghost? It says it is is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers. I know I'm reading it again, but I'm doing it for emphasis. Partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God. How many have been in preaching where your spirit just stood up before your flesh did and you had to stand up and join your spirit because it was good word? Have you had that happen before? And you have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. We are tasting and seeing the powers of the world to come. That heavenly kingdom on this earth. If they shall fall away and renew... To renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame for the earth which drinketh up the rain and cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meat to them to um, meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God but that which is that which bears thorns. So it goes on through. I, I didn't want to get that far in, but I, what I wanted to focus on was the fact that whenever we talk about someone who's experienced the power of the Holy Ghost and has tasted good word, how many know if you have a really good steak, you can't go to a bad steakhouse? If you had some really good food if you had if you went and you had food brought to you i'm talking about a i'm talking about a good restaurant where they bring the food to your table and you sit down and it's amazing food and there's like all kinds of Uh, accoutrements or whatever they call that or there's like a little tree coming out of your there's pasta and there's stuff on the side and there's there's all kinds of different herbs and you can help me out with this Kristen I'm falling apart up here she's a chef by by trade but anyways so you know that that was prepared carefully by a chef who is professionally trained to put that food all on the plate and it's all colorful and it looks amazing you can't just go to McDonald's after that hello somebody I don't know why I'm on food again this week, but you can't just go eat any place once you've had good food. That's what it's talking about. When you've had good words and when you've experienced the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, you cannot change what you are and how you've been enlightened and how you've been stretched by the Spirit of God. Because Joel even said, the prophet, this is that which was spoken. I feel like preaching right now. This is that which which was spoken of the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter was preaching in the book of Acts and he stands up and and he's quoting Joel and he says, what you see, the baptism of the Holy Ghost you're experiencing and seeing in the book of Acts, he's saying what you're experiencing and watching right now happening, this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. I want to tell you that as the Bible says here, it's impossible for you to go someplace else when you've experienced what happens in a Pentecostal service when God moves and the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Ghost falls on somebody and people get baptized in Jesus name in a watery grave in a baptismal there's nothing like it you've been enlightened and watched something that took place that you may have never seen before but you are stretched and you are different and you are enlightened by the word of God in Revelation and you literally cannot go anywhere else because there's nothing else to go to you can't leave this and go to that in the world because that is not it Joel said this is that so there's no other that to go to amen this is what God is talking about When he's talking in Hebrews 6, he's saying when you get full of God's Spirit, when you get full and you get baptized in the baptisms, plural, that you literally are enlightened and stretched and able, having tasted of heavenly gifts of the Holy Ghost, that you can never be the same. Amen. Amen? How many know whenever God's touched your life, it's been a change? And when he touches you again, it changes you every time. But sometimes we can get distracted because we don't have an anchor for the soul, as 19 says. It's okay to have one anchor. But did you know that most boats don't have one anchor? Unless you're fishing in a pontoon. One anchor will hold you. But this ship called Zion, the church, has more than one anchor. Amen? They say whenever you anchor a boat that you have to anchor it off the front you have to anchor it off the back, and generally you have to anchor it three places on the side. On the, more at three places on the side. Generally, there's either anywhere between five and six anchors on a large ship. There'll be two major anchors off the front and back and then there'll be side anchors that they have to drop because what happens is the front anchors keep the boat from slipping backwards in the dock, the back anchor from slipping forward because water is always moving. And then the moorings on the side keep the boat from slapping up against the dock and keeps it from moving away from the dock and pulling all of the, the ramps that are out away from the dock and into the water. So they have to have multiple moorings and just like a ship has to have those multiple moorings to stay in one place, how many know that the soul can drift? And as the soul drifts, because we never stay in one spot, you're either moving toward God or you're moving away from Him. Unless you have an anchor for the soul. And that's where I want to get to today. And I brought my little tripod. This is awesome. This is an illustration you'll never forget because it's such a crude illustration, but it works. Thank you, Brother Reese, for putting together my illustration today. Appreciate you. There's three different anchors for your soul. Number one is there's relationships. How many know you came to church on a relationship? You maybe knew nothing of God, but you like that boy sitting in the third row, or you like that girl (laughs) sitting in the third row. Sometimes God uses relationships, and every one of these are a pedestal. If one by itself, you try to stand one by itself, you'll fall over. So some of you have relationships in your life that are not supporting the biblical truths in your life or the experiences of baptisms that you've had in your life from God. And so therefore, when you try to lean on your relationships, you are literally an unstable person. You only have one mooring. You have only one anchor. But if you are anchored in more than three places in your life, you will be established, amen? That's why the Bible is so strong about speaking about balance in your life. Because you cannot balance on one thing. If you only, if you try to balance on experience alone, without having the word of God to back that up, biblical truth, and without having a pastor in your life, You will get, literally, you could get so confused by experience that you will literally be unstable. And also, biblical truth alone, just biblical truth. If you spend all your time in the Word of God and you have no experiences with God, you have nothing to establish what the Word of God says. You are like a professor who could not do the job, but could teach the job. How many know that if you can't do it, you teach it? Amen? Have you ever experienced that? <laughs> I had teachers in college like that. They tried to tell me what to do, and I would like, that doesn't work in the real world. How many know that's true? But it's because they literally have theory. They have book knowledge. You need not only the Word of God in your life, but you need relationships that support the Word of God that is being preached in your life and the experiences that you have in God of baptisms and lifestyle. Amen? And when you have that, you are a sturdy person. You can literally put tons of weight on top of this, and it will stay there. It will not get knocked over unless you run into it with a football player, but you know what I mean. So what we have to start with today is we have to start with relationships because that's where most of this begins. Everyone say relationships. Relationships are very important because everything comes to you through relationships. Can I tell you stories? I'm a story pastor. If you wanted a bunch of heavy word, come up and I'll give you all of my scripture references for today. This is theologically deep and you will be yawning by the time I get through this. And we will be here till 9 o'clock tonight. But if I talk to you in stories, it's because I want you to be able to relate, okay? I have a relationship with an individual by the name of Wayne Sumrude. Wayne introduced me to a couple by the name of Cindy and Adam Schweitzer by which I helped begin a, a funeral home in Waterford called integrity Fu- excuse me funeral home I actually started that funeral home with them because um, it made sense to me and it made sense to the Holy Ghost I felt okay with that so I had a relationship that didn't that didn't counter my experience or biblical truth it was a ministry I was helping people okay so let's get back to the relationship I want to say relationship so I met him way back in 2009. It was 2009, I believe. The spirit reminds me. I met him there because I was trying to sell him a camera system. I was a sales guy. I flopped, open my book, and I have all these business cards that I had collected. As, as I was a salesperson. I was trying to find sales. And I said, Lord, I need you to help me sell something. And I said, would you direct me? And I looked down, and there was Wayne's card. I called Wayne. I got him on the phone. He owns the company. He answered the phone. He doesn't usually do that. How many know God knows how to work? He answered the phone. I met Wayne. I went out there. He said, I know a couple that wants to start a funeral home. You're a funeral director. You should talk to them. Met them, started the funeral home. Fast forward. Here we are four months, a couple months ago. I, I heard that Wayne, this relationship that I met, when I prayed to God for a completely different reason, I find out that Wayne bought a building in Brookfield. Well, guess who was very interested in that? I don't want to set up and tear down anymore. So I'm very interested in that. And we've been praying since January for a place to set up. So I call Wayne. I say, hey, I heard you bought a building. And he said, yeah, I did. Everyone say relationships. Relationships. Now, this has been years in the making. It goes a long ways back because God's been working the whole time. So I call him. He said, let me call my broker because I'm not sure a church would work in the building that I bought. He bought a big, fancy building up on Capitol. And so I was like, okay. I'll I'll wait. So he calls his broker and his broker says, that will never work because you guys have like Wednesday night Bible study and you have worship practice for the team and it causes noise and it's a, it's a nuisance to some of the other occupants. So he said, he said, well, okay. She said, but you know what? I just happened to know of a place of a church called River Park that vacated this in January. And why don't you have them call me? So I called, Rachel. Now all of this is through that one prayer of, Lord, who do I talk to? Literally six, what was it, five years ago? I don't remember. But anyways, it was a long time ago God was working on this, okay? Just trust me when I say that, because there's no way this could happen without him. No way. So he calls me back, call this lady. So I call her. She said, why don't you come over at three o'clock? Did you know that I have a very busy board? The board for this church One of the pastors is pastoring a exploding church in Mequon. The other pastor is busy doing all kinds of things every day. The man never sits still. I called them both. I said, "Guys, I don't know how this is going to work for you, but three o'clock today we get to tour a possibility. Can you be there? Yep, yep. I got yeses straight across the board. Busy men show up. We walk through this building, and then we—I just believe that the Holy Ghost is going to help us. We start praying, and now we're in it. All off of a relationship." Did you know that the Bible says that he will bless you? That, that when you give to God, it's going to be shaken down, pressed together, and running over. Yep. Through men, God will give into your bosom. Go read it. Through men, through relationships, God will give back to you. God gave back to us through relationships. But if I just stood on that relationship alone, that wouldn't work. We need biblical truth, amen? And I don't have time to go through all of it. I wish I had time, but we're running out of time. We need to know that Jesus is God. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit. How many know spirits are invisible? In another place in scripture, it tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the manifestation. He is the thing we can touch of God. There's no way. He's invisible, immortal, immutable. The Bible says he's everywhere at all times. How do you get on the right side of God if he's everywhere? So Jesus came to make himself touchable to us because no man can be in God's presence and live, the scripture says. So we have to know the biblical truths of God that Jesus is God, manifest in flesh, died for us, ascended up into heaven, purchased our, our salvation. Amen? You good about that biblical truth? Amen. What about baptisms? Should we talk about the baptisms today? Do we have time? Can you guys get 1 Peter for me? Do you guys have that in there? I'll hit one thing. Let's deal with the baptism, the water, water baptism. 1 Peter 3.18, would you get that? Man, there's so much good stuff here. Maybe I'll make this available on Facebook later. When you're studying the Word of God... In biblical truth, you have to ask yourself three different questions. Almost everything that's sturdy has three different angles, amen? Everything that's sturdy in life will have three different angles. A triangle is the strongest geometrical form, amen? Right. So you need to have two or three witnesses on almost everything that you believe. So whenever you're studying the Bible and you're studying biblical truth as one of the pedestals of your life, you need to ask three questions to understand Bible properly. Here they are. You need to ask, who is speaking you need to ask, who is being spoken to? And you need to ask, what is the subject we are talking about? That's how you understand Scripture properly. So in order to have biblical truth in your life, you need to ask all three of those questions every single time on every passage you read. Amen? Okay, First Peter, let's deal with the baptisms. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Amen, somebody? Glad he suffered a little pain. Lifetime of glory. Amen. I'm glad for that. The just for the unjust. He offered himself for the unjust as a just man. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Go on to the next verse, would you? By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Next verse. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing. Amen, somebody. That's a discouraging church plant if I ever saw one. <laughs> Noah, Noah preached for 100 years and only saved his family. Thank God we're not preaching for 100 years and only save our family. Amen. Sarah said, Amen. While the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, 100 years, eight soul plant. Woo! I'm excited. I can dance over how many are here. Eight souls were saved by water. Well, Here we go. Go back one. Eight souls were saved by water. The scripture likens baptism of water to the saving of Noah in the boat, okay, on the water, which sometimes were disobedient, which was, oh, I already read that. Eight souls were saved by water. Go go on to the next verse. I just want to make sure I made that point. The like figure or similar to that. Okay? Everyone say, similar to that. (laughs) We have made the comparison by analogy in the Scripture. Similar to that, or that like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now, what? Don't ever let somebody tell you baptism is not a saving action in your faith walk. Because the Scripture emphatically says that baptism doth now save us. In Hebrews where I read to you said that we set the foundation which is Christ. We have to believe that he can save in order to do anything further and when we move on further we move into the doctrines of baptisms which includes salvation by the remission of sins through water baptism in the name of the one true living God who robed himself in flesh and took our sins on the reason why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ is because he is God if you didn't if he wasn't God we wouldn't use his name because only God's name could remove sin amen 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 Amen. so baptism doth now save us not the putting away of filth of the flesh but also but the answer of a good conscience how many know that your conscience is healed When you are baptized. That's why some people don't have any peace. They have never been buried in the name of Jesus Christ. The scripture talks about us buried with Christ. Amen. You don't sprinkle dirt on somebody. You bury them. Put them away out of sight. We bury ourselves into a watery grave. Baptism means to put under water. Amen. So we believe in the biblical truth of baptism. And we believe it because his name is the name of God. So the Bible talks about Jesus' name being the inherited name from the Father. The reason why it says that is because he inherited the name of God. I've got my name from my father. I'm Jodon Eugene Calhoun. That's really a bad name in the middle there. I hate that Eugene. But I can't help it because I got it from my father. My father's name is Timothy Eugene. Why couldn't they leave it with him? Why do we have to move on the Eugene? Just leave that back there. You something, I don't know, Eugene, that sounds good. Give it to the kid. So then they they put, they, it wasn't even enough to give me just that bad name. They had to go on ahead and, and completely butcher the first two names of my grandfathers, try to stick them together in the first part. So they didn't give me Joseph. They didn't give me Donald. They gave me some weird alteration. Luckily, I got out of Texas without Billy Bob. But the fortunate thing is, That at least Joe Don can be spelled even when spelled wrong. Okay? At least people know okay, that's Joe and Don. Try to stick it together. But the funny thing is, I didn't ask for that name. I didn't get a vote on that name. I got that name because I inherited that name from my grandfathers and my father. So therefore, I carry the name of Calhoun because it is my father's name. So Jesus carries the father's name because the father literally is the inherited name. So the scripture tells us that Jesus has the name of God Almighty. Amen? And it is the revealed name of God. And so the Bible says that everything we do in Colossians 3 and 7, do all in the name of the Lord. Why would we do all in the name of the Lord? The Bible says us, tells us that because of that inherited name Jesus has, that that is the name that saves and that everyone should be saved. Matthew 1.21 tells us that we are saved by calling on, Good luck, Sarah. Keep up. <laughs> calling, she's, she's back there and her fingers are just flying. I can hear it. <laughs> Matthew one twenty one that we should be saved. And she she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. It talks about that. And then the Bible tells us that there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. Therefore, the name of Jesus is called over us in baptism. If you don't know because you were under the water... (laughs) uh, I don't know if I want to touch this right now, but if you are baptized possibly in in any other way than being invoked the name of Jesus over you, then it is okay to get baptized again because you have to make sure that biblical pillar is correct. Amen? Or else you're trying to live your life in unstable. If you don't know if they had a revelation that Jesus' name is what's used in baptism, go ahead and read yourself the book of Acts. There's no place in the book of Acts where they baptized in the Matthew 28 titles. The titles are Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Some people still baptize that way today because they believe that they are honoring the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But I want you to know that Jesus did not tell those disciples, repeat after me. He said, go and do this. If I say, Maurice, could you bring me that glass of water? If you say, Maurice, could you bring me that glass of water? He didn't do what I asked him to do. If I say, go baptize in the name, Matthew 28, 19. You can throw it up there, Sarah. In the name, singular. Do you see that? What name was he talking about? The disciples knew exactly what name he was talking about. These are titles. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are titles. They are not a name with authority. That's why Jesus has God's name revealed to us. You need to know this biblical truth. that That's God's name. Am I leaving you right now? I want you to be with me on this so that you can establish yourself as a secure individual in the understanding of your salvation. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, or if you don't know what they said over you, when you are under the water or going into the water, you are okay to get baptized again in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 19, the disciples of John the Baptist, they were living their lives, believing God, loving God, serving God. They were disciples of God. You don't become a disciple unless you're founded with God. You know that. But they had understood God before the revelation of his resurrection. Amen? Before he had come and power in the book of Acts chapter 2 so they didn't know that the Holy Ghost had been poured out and when Paul said how then were you baptized because he starts going back to it and he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized because he he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed, here's one more biblical truth, The, the modern Christian world says when you believe on Jesus Christ you're filled with the Holy Spirit, how many know that's true, how many have heard that doctrine preached that is not a biblical doctrine it does not stand in the scripture because the Bible says there are two baptisms. So therefore, there is a there's a water baptism and a spiritual baptism. So we have to understand that whenever you're talking about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, thank God for a foundation of faith. Amen. You can't do it without belief in the Lord Jesus. You can't do it. I'll go further without accepting Christ as your personal savior. Amen. But you need to go on from the foundation and build the house of God, the tabernacle, which is you. And in order to build that, you need to move on to the doctrines of baptism. I know I'm hitting it, but I must hit it because you've got to get stable in your life. Right now, you're you're just being blown around by everything. You're not anchored anywhere. But if you get a hold of these anchors that I'm talking about, you will be established in your life. And so he says, he says, You have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He says, we haven't heard of this Holy Ghost. We don't even know they're believers. They accepted Christ as their personal Savior, but they do not have the true biblical pedestal of understanding. So, so Paul goes, okay, you don't know about the Holy Ghost. Let's walk backwards through the baptisms, plural, and make sure you got both of them. How were the then? How were you baptized? And they said, and they said unto them, what, what, How then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism, we were baptized under repentance. Go on. And he said unto them, un, oh, uh, then, yeah, thank you. <laughs> then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptisms of repentance, saying unto the people they, that they should believe on him. How many know they believed on him? They believed on Jesus. They should believe on him which should come after, that is, Christ, on Christ. Go on to the next verse. When they heard this, they were baptized. Everyone say, rebaptism is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. They were baptized again. And how were they baptized? Because Paul explained the baptism of water to them. Explained what it was for. Go on to the next verse. And when Paul had laid his hands on them. What did we read in Hebrews? The laying on of hands. In verse 2, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Amen? When the Jews went to where, where were the Jews going? The Jews went and they saw that the that the that God had gone to the Gentiles. What house was that? Help me out. Cornelius' house. Yes, I thought so. I just didn't want to speak it wrong. Yes, the Italian band, the the first band in the Bible. They, they rocked. They rocked. The Italian band. When the when Peter Peter took a few Jews with him because they heard that that. Upon the Gentiles had the gospel been preached. And they got down there and they began to preach and the Holy Ghost fell upon them. And the Jews were just standing there going, I can't believe it. God is saving Gentiles. The dogs, the people that, they thought heaven was preserved for Jews and hell for everybody else. That's what they thought. But they're like, I can't believe this. God is saving us who are Gentiles, all of us. He started and he's saving them. And the, the Bible says that, how did they know that? The Bible says, for they heard them speak with tongues that's what they heard. So you've got to get that established in your life. That baptism is for salvation. Acts 2.38, throw it up there. Acts 2.38, we love this verse, don't we? But the reason why we love this verse is because it's the anchor of our soul. Amen? So you have to have relationships that point you toward God, not draw you to the club, hello somebody, not draw you to a bar. Well, I'm not drinking. Well, guess what? If you're in the bar pretty soon, you're at the bar, pretty soon you're laying on the bar. Right. That's true. Because the peer pressure of your friends. You want to hang out. You want to have a good time. Just have one. One turns into ten. Then pretty soon you're, you're hanging over somebody you don't even know. Hey, what's up? You, I mean, you just it's the power of peer pressure. So you got to make sure that those that are peer, that your peers, they are supporting the biblical truths in your life. And if they're not supporting the biblical truths in your life, then you have to ask yourself the question, are they a relationship that God wants in my life? And I'm sorry for going so long. I am trying to wrap this up so bad. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, this is Peter standing up. Now Peter was there at Matthew 28, 19, he heard Jesus say, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Peter's going to give the first saving message. In the previous verse, they understand they had crucified Messiah. They were pricked in their heart. They're like, what do we do? We don't know what to do to save ourselves. He said, then, yeah, thank you. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Wait a minute. There's the first baptism, Where's the second baptism? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. What name were they supposed to use? Do you know who wrote this? Do you know who was there when Jesus said, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Matthew was there. Why didn't Matthew stand up and say, hey, bro, got that wrong. Bro, we don't want to write that in the Holy Writ. (laughs) We don't want to put that in the Bible because it will forever be a confusion for all generations. They knew exactly what he was saying. They went to get the cup of water to bring it to a lost world. They weren't just repeating what he said. They knew the name singular of the Father was Jesus. The name singular of the Son is Jesus. And the name singular of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. They knew that. And the scripture bears that out. I'll give you scripture references if you want. And so he told them, you have to repent. You have to be baptized. Everyone say first baptism. First baptism. One of you, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible calls it the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The second, everyone say second baptism. It is important It is important to your salvation as your faith to believe and accept Christ. It's necessary. It's necessary. So no one stood up and challenged him. Go on to the next verse. For the promise of, Oh, well, wait a minute. We read about a promise, didn't we? A sure promise. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. How many believe that God's got a calling on your life of some kind? We Not everybody's a minister, or is as a as a preacher, but everybody's a minister. And in order to be a minister, you have to have a calling. And that calling will lead you to both baptisms. Is that okay today? Look, I'm I'm just trying to get you to understand that there's, there's not only biblical truth, but there's also the experience of that biblical truth. Where's my buddy, Josiah? Josiah got the Holy Ghost at North American Youth Congress. He spoke in tongues and God filled him. And did you know, did you know, I'm sorry to embarrass you, Josiah. We already started the service embarrassing you. So we're just going to keep embarrassing you. You're my buddy. Don't worry about it. These people love you. But did you know that that next week, Kristen text, and she said, he's a different boy. You know why? He experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It changes you. It changes you. So you have to not only have relationships that encourage you with your walk with God. You have to have biblical truth because some people, they are good people. They love you, but they don't know the biblical truths and they will lead you astray. That's why the Bible says, don't let men spoil you with vain deceit and with all kinds of traditions we have lots of traditional religions all around here we're planning a church that's not traditional amen we believe biblical truth and if it doesn't line up with the bible then please don't talk to me about it (laughs) because i want to know what's written give me what's written amen and then we have experience. yesterday and i'm finishing with this brother mutu Brother Mutu has been traveling all over the world. He's been in Pakistan just recently. And they have been experiencing the power of the baptisms I just talked to you about. He's firmly established in what he understands. He's got biblical truth that he's teaching. And what they do is they go to these villages and they gather all the people under a tent. And they have lookouts because they are in Pakistan. And if it's found out that they are meeting and preaching the name of Jesus, they will come in and they will kill all of them. He is, his wife has literally died, almost died once at gunpoint. He has literally been almost killed twice. So they have lookouts that are around looking for the military indifference to, to protect them. And they gather everybody into these places and they begin to preach. And the power of God falls. And people begin to worship God. And I have a video of it, but I don't have time to show it to you. Maybe I'll show it to you at some point. But they're experiencing the biblical truth of two baptisms in their life. They take people to the rivers, they baptize them in Jesus' name, God fills them with the Holy Ghost, speaking with them. They're speaking languages they don't know, amen? So what happens is, that this starts to get noise abroad. You can't keep something silent like that. When you get an experience that's powerful, you just can't keep it quiet, amen? So what happens is, they experience this great thing, and they move on to the next village, and they gather together, but some had heard about this, and some of the Muslims had heard about it, and they can't have, in a heavily Muslim nation they cannot have anybody bringing the name of Jesus Christ into the nation so they suit up with bombs and they walk into the congregation and they're standing in the congregation but they weren't able to get the tent up and there was a heavy downpour it just began to rain so torrential but they all were so hungry for God literally they're just standing there worshiping God soaking wet but they're speaking in tongues and they're being baptized with the holy ghost and they're so hungry for God and and so they get halfway through the service, and all of a sudden here comes these two bombers down the center aisle and they're trying to detonate the bombs but they won't go off because the fuses have been saturated with water because of the downpour that's going on. God literally protected them. They didn't even know they were there. So the bombers can't they're feeling and they're experiencing something they've never experienced before. They try to do their job, but they can't do it because they won't set off. So literally they just keep coming to the altar and they lift their hands and God fills them with the Holy Ghost, with the bombs still strapped to them. Oh my goodness. They got the experience first. They didn't even know what they were experiencing. They didn't even have a relationship with the people that were preaching the gospel there. They didn't know anybody. They came to blow themselves up and everybody with them. But you can't deny the experience of the Holy Ghost. I don't care. I don't care if you come through biblical truth, if you come through experience, or you come through relationship. God will establish you and give you his promises. Amen? Oh, my goodness. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. God is able to protect his church. I was blown away by that. Story after story of God protecting this man. And he prayed over us yesterday and we felt the Holy Ghost so strong. I want you to know if you have, if you, if you have in any way misunderstood anything I said today, then just come take a picture of this and we'll talk about each one of these tears, each one of these pedestals. You have to have all three of these anchors for your soul. Amen? Is that all right today? All right, good. I'm glad that that was enjoyable to you because I sure enjoyed preaching it. Let's pray together. Jesus. Lord God, there's somebody in this room had had a quickening in their heart today. I don't know who that person is, and I don't know how they felt about it, but I know, Jesus, we have to put our feelings aside when it comes to your truth. So would you let truth be real? Would you let it be evident? Would you help us to realize that you have two baptisms for us? Baptism of water and baptism of spirit. You told Nicodemus, unless you're born of water and of spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. I want to go there. I I want everyone here to go there. Would you create an anchor for somebody's soul? Maybe maybe they've thrown an anchor off the front bow because they believed in Jesus' name. Maybe they threw an anchor off the back because they've been baptized but they've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they're still being pushed around by the winds of life. Would you help us to anchor down every soul in this church? As we move, we need to be established. As we move, we need to have God anchor us. In Jesus' name, would you lift your hand right now and would you just ask God if you're missing any one of those anchors and you have felt like literally life is, the storms of life have beat on you so much that you can't even stay in one place, that you can't even keep your mind wrapped around that God is for you and that you feel like everything has come against you. Maybe it's just because you don't have enough anchors for your soul today. And I'm asking you to go with us today and go with us in your heart. Lord Jesus, help somebody to be quickened, to establish themselves with more than one anchor for their soul today. As we root ourselves in you, you allow us to be founded and established in this community. I know that God's gonna do a work in somebody's life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want to open this altar because I want to pray for you. If there was anything that you felt today, would you come? Would you just take somebody by the hand and would you make a statement with your life? Would you come down here saying, I'm going to focus on my biblical truth in my life. I'm going to focus on my relationships being right with God. And I'm going to focus on my experience with him, backing my doctrine. my biblical truth. Would you take somebody by the hand? This is a commitment right now. I'm asking for a commitment from you that you will not give up on truth. You will not give up on the experience of baptisms and you will not give up on your relationships that support you to know truth and live it. That you're